1: Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Heest.
2: Welcome back to the Habitat Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Jared Van Heest, and happy to have you back as we become better habitat managers. It is early October, and tonight we have Brian Hallbley and myself, just the two of us, talking about our hunting season so far. We're about a weekend of the season. We're also going to cover our, um, well, first of all, our deer hunts, like I mentioned, then also the habitat, kind of a habitat update to where we're at right now with our food plots and things along that nature. Uh, Next, we're going to talk about my logging operation, how that went, Uh, What that looks like now, I have my property logged, my eight-acre woods logged uh, right before deer season, and it is on fire full of deer right now. So we're going to talk a lot about that. And then our Ohio hunting leases. Both of us now are hunting in Ohio this year, so we're going to cover that, kind of our strategy there. And just, it's a great little BS session all about deer and habitat and this fall and just, you know, season's here, guys. We're excited, so we threw this one together for you. Um, we'll get right into that here in a second. I want to point out how often Brian and I use the HuntWise app. Um, we just renewed again our memberships with, with HuntWise, and it is so convenient and helpful to have that app. When I was either in Ohio or up here or wherever I'm at, we can share properties with each other, see all the stands already on there for like our, our Ohio lease, for instance. We share HuntWise and can send everybody the same stand locations, camera locations, etc., and be on the same page. It also has the most up-to-date property ownership information. I was at Deer Camp uh, last fall, and I was comparing my app to another popular hunting app out there, and the property owner's information was more current on HuntWise than the other. Also, HuntWise has a really cool app. If you find a piece of private land next to some public you're hunting, or maybe you're driving down the road and you just see a piece you want to, you know, wonder if you can hunt that someday or ask permission, you can actually search the Internet for the landowner's phone number right off of HuntWise. You can click on the parcel. It will tell you who owns it, and you can hit find contact info, and it will literally search the phone records and pull up their phone number for you to call. You can do it that fast. That's pretty awesome. Um, I urge you guys to check out HotWise.com. Check out the app. You can get it on any phone, app store, Google, iTunes, whatever there. And, uh, like I said, the people over there are awesome. It's a great Michigan company. Check them out. Next, uh, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. Uh, guys, we're kicking off the season. I shot a nice doe opening day. That video is going to be up on MWP here pretty soon. I want to just, if you guys... Are looking to watch some hunting content, something real, you know, something that is not fluffed up or anything else. Check out Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, real people shooting real deer here in Michigan, and a bunch of nice ones. So um, there's all the past seasons you can check out, and then we're dropping episodes about once a week right now, once every week and a half on a new MWP episodes. It's MichiganWhitetailPursuit.com. I'd like to thank Packer Max. Killer Food Plots, The Habitat Hook, Realtree United Country, Lake States Realty and Auction, Sound Barrier Hunting, and Morse Nursery. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in once again. I appreciate the great new reviews we've been getting on Podbean and iTunes. They're awesome. I'm going to track you guys down and send you some free details. If you guys want some free details, just leave us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. Type us out something nice. Be sure to leave your name and get a hold of me. If I don't get a hold of you, we will get you something sent out. Without further ado, I wish you all luck for the rest of October here. Steve Bartilla, episode part two, is coming up right after this. So hang in there, guys. Enjoy your season as we become better Habitat Managers. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heese, and I am here tonight with none other than the one and only Brian Hallblatt. How are you doing, Brian?
0: I'm doing great. Nice day, nice weather, finally, and uh, just enjoying the fall as we ramp up towards our favorite time of year here.
2: Yes, sir. It is uh, early October. You and I both got some uh, bloodshed. The bow and arrow. It's uh, I'm fired up. The weather's been decent. I mean, hasn't been too hot, but now it's gonna get warm this this week, this weekend. How about you?
0: Yeah, yeah. It looks like uh, four or five days of warmer temperatures, and hopefully the grass doesn't start growing again.
2: <laughs> I don't know about you, but this time of year I cut mine pretty darn fairway short because I am sick and tired of doing it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I got another round of uh, weed prevention to put down, too. I keep putting off.
2: Real quick, what do you what do you use for that? I should probably do a little maintenance on my lawn now that I'm done with food plotting. All my time has been focused on my plots.
0: It is uh, just a regular 2-4-D from Tractor Supply. You can get it. Like I think it comes in a gallon bottle. Oh, if so you're just killing the broadleafs? That's
2: it. Got it. Yep. I got some of that in my shed, my barn.
0: Yeah, okay. then I'll then I'll give it a feeding, uh, a fall feeding. Usually something from Scotts or whatever the uh, Home Depot or Lowe's whatever has on sale.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, you. You'd think with as much time and focus that we spend on growing our plots for deer that our lawns would look immaculate. And and yours might, yours might. Mine doesn't look bad, but it's not great.
0: Yeah, and the drought doesn't help because I've just kind of refused to spend money to water my lawn. It's just not that important. I mean, it stays fairly nice. Like you said, yours is fairly decent, and that's good enough for me.
2: I was thinking about going into, like, all clover. That way it just looks really nice all the time.
0: Yeah, and you would be helping out the pollinators. Exactly. <laughs> I did
2: uh, I did let my kind of back hill behind my, my deck go. I cut it all down short last year and planted some more pine trees, and I got my hybrid willows back there, which I wanted to give you an update on the hybrid willows, um, so I'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Um, but a bunch, so it's a perfect example of what we always talk about. He let the sunlight hit the dirt. I had all kinds of stuff coming up. Um, I had, like, five-foot-tall pokeweed everywhere, you know, and it's just native browse pops up. I mean, there's some thistle and whatnot in there, too, but um, it's pretty amazing. My wife was like, what are you doing back there? I'm like, just helping the pollinators, just like you said.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's always an excuse we can use, too, maybe, but I don't think it'll work on our wives.
2: Yeah, I don't think she bought it. But those hybrid willows... I got cuttings, I think it was back in 17 or 18. I think I planted these in 18 in my yard. They're like 17 feet tall in my backyard right now. Yep. Wow. No joke. I'll have to get a picture and put it online. Um, And They don't have a ton of water right there, which I knew why a lot of mine failed at my property because they weren't in the water and I couldn't water them well. Right I could water these a little bit more and they just after they, they were established they are taken off. So it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, that's neat. I'd like to see a picture of that.
2: I'll be sure to get one going here. Um, but for the podcast tonight, we just want to kind of get together and, and BS and give everybody an update on our properties, on our habitat, uh the very first part of our, our deer seasons here. Um some new news. You and I are both now on an Ohio lease, not not together, unfortunately, but we both got spots in Ohio now, and uh, so we're we're off and running. It's 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 time. You know what? What's going on down by you in PA? I know you were hunting that big buck for a while. Um, what's going on down there? Give me an update of your season so far.
0: Yeah, so I killed a doe early uh, last week or so. Uh, wasn't really planning on doe hunting that night, but a bunch of them came through. Uh, shared the video up on our YouTube channel. I uh, know you guys listening and, and girls that haven't subscribed yet, make sure you stop over there, check that out. Hit that follow button, and you'll get the updates every time we post something. But, um, yeah, just uh, got a real nice buck hanging around local here, southwest Pennsylvania by the house. Uh, had some pretty regular pictures of him, nothing patternable. But um, the last, I guess it's been the last ten days or something. He's kind of been giving us the slip, so uh, just been shifting cameras around. Uh, like I said before, I've probably got, oh, I don't know, a dozen or so properties within five mile radius here that wow. I can keep tabs on him and a couple other bucks uh the two other big bucks that i located in the summertime i haven't really kept tabs on them because i think i explained before that the, the property that i have permission on butts up against a huge farm that doesn't allow any hunting so and uh, being in pa we have to remove the bait 30 days before the season so i had to make sure that was all gone where i was getting pictures of them so that kind of makes it tough but you know, end of October's coming. They'll be moving a little bit more, and uh, maybe I'll catch up with those other two big bucks. But right now I'm just kind of shifting cameras around local here in Pennsylvania, trying to catch up to the couple that I got tabs on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good plan. I think a lot of people are probably doing that right now. I'm, I'm in the same boat. We kicked off uh, Thursday just a couple days ago about a week ago already. And um, I ended up taking a nice dough that night. If you guys follow our our Instagram and Facebook stories, uh, follow us online, you'll you'll see all that. So that plan came together nice, you know, based on kind of what we we're talking about with Al and and Easton Francis, Corey's kid. So it's like just check the cameras, check the cameras, check the cameras, or use the cell cameras and, and make a move right now on, on something patternable. Problem is now things are starting to shift out of patternable. That early is starting to turn into, you know, all the pressures hit in the woods now, including you know our properties. We're hunting them, and yeah, uh, you know, just everybody out in the woods and the mass changing and things like that. You know, we had a couple bucks on what I, I guess I call the project farm, my friend Brian's farm that I've been working on. and I'm going to be able to hunt with him this year in Michigan here, and. Uh, one got shot by the neighbor already. That was a 11-point. Probably a really nice two-and-a-half-year-old. Um, but, you know, Daylight Walker, he's dead. And we had one other nice buck um, haven't seen. So things are kind of, you know, shifting. And now we're playing that camera game, like you said, just trying to find him again.
0: How many acres is that you guys are working with?
2: Uh, he's got a 75-acre farm. Okay. We are going to lease the 60 acres next door next year.
0: Nice.
2: Um, we were trying to get it this year, but somebody already had it in front of us, and the gal didn't want to break her commitment, which is respectable. So we're going to hold off, and um, actually it's kind of where all the deer seem to be coming from, the, that area, and then right on, on my buddy Brian on his north end. So it seems to be if we had those both locked up, and then we did a bunch of habitat work that like we're going to do to Brian's
0: farm. It should be pretty nice. Um, so the neighbor have something going on that pulled that buck over there? Or? That I have no idea yet. I just heard
2: he got shot today. So I'm trying to okay. figure out what's going on. I think he was, personally, I think he was just young and, and probably, uh, yeah, just young, I think. Because he was everywhere. And deer who are... Young and everywhere gets shot. So. Oh, yeah. No this, that's my guess there. Uh, nice buck, though. That's actually the one I shared for uh, some of the our Mox Great podcast pictures, that one velvet buck. That was him. We put on Facebook. Um, but, anywho, that's what I'm kind of moving cameras around. And I'm, on the 15, I've been watching that real close. I hunted it opening night, shot that doe. Went back there the next morning and got her. My my car broke after I had her on the roof of the car. Going to leave and head home and car wouldn't start. Had to get a tow truck. He couldn't jump the car. Something was wrong. It's a uh, GMC terrain. So I get towed to a dealer, well I got the dough on top of my car, so I had to I had to convince the tow truck driver to stop at a butcher on the way to the dealer. So we towed the car into the butcher with the dough on top, dropped the deer off, then went to the dealer. And they said, you know, your, your key's broken. My key busted off in the ignition. My smart key busted off in the ignition. When I was trying to start that car a hundred times. Jeez. And apparently they're like these smart keys, so they don't work right unless they're together and not broken. So I had to go find where my wife was that day, about an hour and a half away. With the kids, and I had to go get a rental car and go get the key and come back. Anyways, that day was a joke, um, and the car still is broken. But, long story long, the deer kind of shut down for a couple of days over the weekend, um, the activity. But then, all of a sudden, last night, which was the 5th, they were going nuts again. Bucks, a bunch of young bucks um, moving. And tonight, again, too. So just like that, getting in and out and just leaving it alone, it seems to be that that they're back in there and they're moving. So I'm just watching cameras, you know, just like you. Just waiting so for a couple daylight patternable deer that I'd shoot.
0: Excuse me. So when you went in and hunted and a couple of days after that, you think the pressure affected the movements after that is what you're saying? Well, I could
2: not find any blood from my deer I shot. Um, I double lunged her right above the heart. But it rained after I shot her, before I started tracking, before it got dark. And it was dark, and I just, my neighbor and I looked for an hour and a half and could not find blood. So I just said, hey, let's call it, come back tomorrow. I found her in 15 minutes the next morning, just, you know, kind of gritting a little bit real quick. Well, so what, where I'm getting at is we walked kind of through a lot of good stuff that night, trying to find blood, so I think that could have done something to it, Uh, but I think it might be early enough to where a lot of these deer really didn't get affected by it, because the cameras were showing me tonight and last night, that didn't really matter, Um, now you you do that three weeks from now, or five weeks from now, I think you're, you know, it's going to get worse, right now they're all, it's all still pretty new. Hunt season just started, so I think I'm okay. Sure. Um, or it could have been a weather thing, but the weather was pretty good all weekend and I and I think I probably just laid a bunch of ground scent and and whatnot, but so anyways got to get out of there and now I'm watching. I had um a nice two year old make a scrape tonight at one of my cell cams and there's a bunch more does out there. I might I'll probably go shoot another one of those too. So but the real goal, now that I got one doe down out there, is just to uh, bide my time and wait for the right move and, and strike. Like real precision, just wait, 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 and then pounce.
1: Right.
2: And uh, mid-October seems to be the last two years I have I have pictures around the 14th or the 16th of deer that I would shoot walking around in daylight, in the evening. So it's kind of where I'm. Where I'm sitting right now, I'm just relaxing, kind of waiting for that. Um, that's my that's next step. Yes, yeah, next week, shoot. Yep. So that's kind of where I'm at for the hunting side of things, and I should do some duck hunting this weekend. How about you? Sure. Do you have any more hunting updates before we move into some habitat updates?
0: Yeah, Saturday evening, I went out to a little thicket that I. Only hunt so many, so often it has to be perfect conditions. Uh, like we were talking before we started recording, it's a type of a farm where the hunter or the farmer lets as many hunters on there as, as anybody that asks, basically, because he wants all the deer numbers taken down. Of course, being a farmer. And uh, but there's a thicket that's way in the back that very few people walk to. I'm pretty familiar with it. I've I've been hunting it for almost 20 years now. Uh, There's always a good buck or two in there. And uh, so perfect conditions with the acorns dropping and the southwest wind. I figured they'd be coming out of that bedding area in a, a similar area they normally do on that wind. And just about 6.45 or so, I guess that would have been about 45 minutes before closing time. A uh, real nice buck stood up. I could just barely make out movement in the thicket, and he was moving from my left to my—I'm sorry—from my right to my left. And I could see his left side, and uh, looked like a real nice, long-time, mature buck. So he was walking down in front of me. He was going to enter a 20-yard shooting window. So I was just about to get drawn back, and I noticed his right side was kind of like just a spike, had a little bit of a club to it, but not much character. And he stopped, and he's looking out in the open acorn flat and down towards the creek bottom and just standing there. And you, you've you've seen it. You know, anybody that's hunted long enough will see those mature bucks, and even sometimes mature does, they'll just stand there like statues for what seems like eternity. Yep. And I just kept looking them over and looking them over, and I'm like, should I shoot them, should I not? And, uh, you know, like we always talk about, if you got to think about it that much, it's probably a good pass. So that's what I decided to do, fun encounter. He walked down to the creek bottom to get a drink for a while. Uh, A couple other bucks came out from a different angle, not in bow range, but I did see them as the light was fading couple different sets of antlers down there. Uh I wow, couldn't tell nice. if anything was real big, but just a great encounter and they moved out and I snuck out of there and hopefully they never knew I was even in there. Didn't appear that they did. Nice. And
2: if that buck had two sides, what do you think he would have he would have been at? Give us like something just to compare him to
0: Yeah, I think he would have definitely been Pope and Young, One twenty five, one thirty type deer. For sure.
2: Oh, very cool. That's exciting to at least yeah. be a buck of that caliber this early.
0: Yep. And and for Pennsylvania, you know, I, I don't have super high standards. We do have some nice nicer bucks running around. But if you can take a, a Pope and Young buck in pressured land, you're doing something good.
2: Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, this Michigan boy might have shot that one you sent me. Yeah. But like I said earlier to you, I have two tags here in Michigan, so I could have, you know. Still, so, sure. I wouldn't have been done. Where you would have been done for PA for the year, and it's so early, and you got that big boy you're chasing. I get it for sure.
0: Yeah. Yep, yeah, but it's always a good time to be able to get in on a mature buck and outsmart him. Makes you feel like once in a while you're doing something right.
2: Let's break that down just a, just a little bit more for the wind and the access. Um, can you paint a little bit of a picture on how that whole strategy played out for you?
0: Sure. So the uh, access would have been coming in from the northwest, and the winds coming from the—I'm sorry—from the northeast, and the winds coming from the southwest. And into the, the wind. Mhm. And it's just just an easy, you know. I've got that electric bike now, so that that allows me to get in there pretty quiet. There's a uh, farm road that's cut that runs probably. Southeast to north, northwest type, the way that farm road runs. So I'm able to sneak up that. That was all downwind coming in from that access. And then I walked the last uh, probably 80 yards to the stand. And um, pretty much uh, just a bench above the creek bottom. It's kind of hardwoods, just a little bit open timber, but it it butts right up against a, a really nasty, I'm pretty sure it was an old orchard from a long time ago because there's some big mature apple trees in there, but it's just everything else is just overgrown, uh, like blackberry bushes and uh, some multiflora rose, stuff like that, just just super thick, and there's always really good bucks in there. But, uh, yeah, just the wind was hitting me from the southwest, and they sort of left the bedding area on a crosswind. And... uh, didn't have any idea that I was there, and as long as I kept my movement down and didn't screw anything up too bad, there was no way they were going to win me or see me. And
2: which way was the betting area from from the stand? Would you say it would
0: have been um, probably? Let me think. If I came in like west of me,
2: okay. So they're leaving the betting area, coming into the wind.
0: Right on, like a crosswind. Yep,
2: and then if they were, I mean, if they were a little bit to the north east of you, they could have got behind you and got your wind. But you were just off of the, their travel corridor. Is that right?
0: Correct. And that that little bench I was talking about, that's hardwoods and open, runs almost straight north. So they really don't have a tendency to pop out and walk down that open. They're they're kind of trying to stay in as much cover as they can just to get to the acorns and the water for the evening. So it's not likely for them to walk out in the opening that long. Well, nice job, man. All that research
2: and podcasting and everything else that we always talk and think and obsess about,
0: is paying off. Good work. Yeah, appreciate it. Like I said, it's uh, nice when it all comes together and you get to see and sit and watch and think, okay, this is exactly how it's supposed to happen, and it actually does. And you're like, wow, maybe I'm making this harder than it is.
2: (laughs) I think um, the thing that's starting to click for me, and sounds like you as well, is putting the wind in the deer's favor uh, while you're hunting. Oh, yeah. Uh, More so than yours. I mean, it depends on what your goals are and what you're after. You know, like you can get a lot of stuff killed just hunting downwind of everything. But once you start up in that age class, you, you got to be a little bit more creative. And I'm, I'm picturing that, and it's making sense. So nice job on that, dude.
0: Yeah, I, I think early season, too, that's even more important because they're not being distracted by other things.
2: Yeah. Yeah, plus you have more foliage on the trees where you can get away with a little bit more in terms right, of sound, right. sight, cover. Um, well... You're off to a pretty good start then. You got the dough down. You passed a real nice buck. When are you hunting
0: next? I'm going to try to get out tomorrow. I got a couple of buddies that uh, want to fill some doe tags, so I might set them up in one of our doe spots, and we'll see. We'll see if I might, if, if the conditions are right, I might make a move on another spot I haven't set yet. But that's that's a big part of my plan this year is I'm staying mobile. As, yep. as mobile as I can, and just trying to hunt the thicker areas. Like a lot of times, uh, we talk about sitting back, which which is important, it, and it's all situational. If, if you have a small property that you're not trying to get in there and blow up before a certain time, obviously you got to be careful. But with as many spots as I have in this situation, I'm trying to get a little more aggressive. I forget how many sits I've had this year, five or six, but I've been in deer. Every sit. And I'm just pushing it a little bit more than I normally do, staying mobile, and it's paying off. And, and hopefully I'll cross paths with the with the buck that I'm going to be taking a shot at here soon.
2: I think you brought up a great point, and I wanted to ask you a question on that, because you and I talked about how we're going to, even like our, our leases and properties, like we're, I'm even hunting mobile on the 15 where I have stands hung. You know, I'll, I'll hunt them but I'm also going to not hunt them and throw out my saddle or climber or whatever else just to keep the deer guessing and and try to be a little bit more of a ghost to them on a property that you work in habitat on all the time. But, like, for you, are you planning on hunting these spots again anytime soon, or are you kind of, you know, being the Dan Infault type, where you're going to, yeah, I'm good here for probably another month. Maybe I'll come back then.
0: Yeah, I think it's more like this spot I just described where I passed that buck. That's just years of history with that. And I was actually going to try to go after that bigger buck, but the wind wasn't right for anywhere that I know he's been hanging out. So I just said, well, the wind's right over here, and I'm just going to go and, and see what's happening because I had one camera out in that thicket, but I hadn't checked it yet. The night I hunted it, I went up there in the dark and and pulled the card. So that was the first time I checked it. So it was kind of nice to just rely on some past information and scouting to to get that close. But, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to uh, bounce around, and I I will hunt some of those spots again, but I'm letting the conditions dictate it, and I'm letting my trail cameras dictate where I'm going to go. Very
2: nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome with these cheaper cell cameras these days how how we can watch from afar without getting our set in there, you know?
0: Yeah, it's probably good for my budget that the Tacticams have been sold out because I'd like to buy about 10 more. Those things are so nice.
2: Tell me about it. I'm in the same boat. I know um, that's a pretty good update for... Four hunt season so far, we've both had, you know, success, deer in the freezer, um, I forgot to mention, I did pass a real nice six point that night, came in, I made a scrape, it's just, it's cool, it's here, you know, I'm fired up, it's bow season, I've never been busier at work, unfortunately, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's here, man, the weather's, the weather's good, it's gonna get warm, but still, we're killing stuff, and arrows are bloody, and I don't know, I'm just fired up, so yeah for sure man well let's uh let's get a habitat update. I know many of us are done with our habitat work for the year many of us aren't um, I was out spreading fertilizer and and top dressing rye a week ago, so I'm not that far out of the game and uh, I still Your might face, go ahead i just I, I can't just let it go and not care you know yeah, I can't. I have to do everything I can up until the last thinking minute to make sure I can get some some good growth. And this drought freaking killed us. The loggers ruined one of my plots, which is fine. It's just um, it's been a little bit of a struggle on the food plot side, but um, also a lot of my plots are looking phenomenal. So it all depends. How about you? Are you? Uh, let's hear about your lease at 311. What you got going on there? How your food plots look? And then um, yeah, we'll talk about my logging a little bit after that.
0: Yeah. No, everything uh, turned out really great down the lease because we were sweating with all the, the lack of rain we had. I think we went, I want to say, two weeks before we even got any type of rain after we planted. Unfortunately, it seems like the turkeys got a lot of the oats and the rye and the wheat that we planted, but the brassicas are coming on strong. We've got, you know, big radish bulbs and big turnip bulbs already. Uh, The deer are cracking on the radishes already, eating the tops off of them. And uh, that alfalfa field that we put in, in the center plot near that uh, gas line, that's, that come in super. And I was stressing a little bit because it's kind of a hard spot to get to, to to maintain. Uh, It's roundup ready, which makes it nice. But, you know, sometimes you got to mow that alfalfa. Well, The deer took it upon themselves to take that job for me. So we've been real happy with that. They've been keeping it perfect height. It's getting regrowth. They're in there all the time. And, uh, yeah, just real happy with the way everything come out. Um, I think we got the soil pretty close to where we wanted it. I'll do another soil test next year, just double-check it. But normally when you see them eating those greens early and often, that's telling you you're doing something right with the nutrients in the soil.
2: Interesting. Other, like compared to what? Like say you, you have some greens and they're just not hitting them because they might be better, they might not be. I guess yeah, i a little more on that. That's, you are that's the food been plot, my experience.
0: experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your food plots always look phenomenal. So. Well, it's I've been doing them long enough, so I, I like to think that I sort of know what I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just, I think, and it's been my experience, like the ones that I kind of just, you know, either till up or spray and and like, ah, I don't really need to spend the fertilizer on here. And you put it in and they come up okay, but then nothing touches them. You're like, gee, I wonder why they're not eating them. Yeah. And then another plot, you'll take your time and do a soil test and fertilize it properly, and they just come in and start hammering it right away. And, you know, we've had enough experts on the podcast here that will tell you that. Those deer know which plants are the best for them. That's how they... Pack on what they need to pack on and survive. So, I think that goes a long way. Like you going out there and refertilizing again, that's going to really help your plots, and I think the deer will will uh, pick up on that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I'm glad you just covered that point. I wanted to make sure we hit that. It's like just because there's something green there doesn't mean that it's it's great and it's as best as, as it could be. Um, I went out that. That Friday, right before deer season opened and hit, I think it was uh, urea, and then also some soil defender from KFP. I did both of those and then hit rye. And I need to get an exclusion cage out there because the deer are keeping it mowed. So it's looking good. It's looking good. I also sprayed one last time for my switchgrass. So anybody who might want to frost seed some switch in a new spot, it's important to have a a nice bare seed bed free of competition, dead um, under that frosty layer when you start frost in the spring. So I was actually out there spraying Roundup with a little bit of um, Cleft, kill some grasses in there, just dual action that thing. Probably unnecessary, but uh, trying to kill some of that what's that grass down there. Um, Canary canary and what not yeah, it's it's right on the edge of uh like a little wet type puddle, um okay, and so yeah, but like that's another thing you could be doing right now last minute, get that it's a good week
0: for spring, yeah,
2: yeah, um, you know and and like you said you're you're just a food plot master, your stuff always looks so good, I think you should just chill for life, just keep that chiller <laughs> just moving. <laughs>
0: I'm going to get a lot of hate mail now.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just stressing you. Hey, you don't till everything. You, that alfalfa wasn't tilled, and that looks money. Um, But no, your food plots look awesome. So the, the least, you got your plots. What else is going on down there?
0: I just went down and shifted some cameras. You know, just not many scrapes. Having a hard time finding natural scrapes popping up. I did put some... Uh, Mock grapes in and put some wild grapevines down. I've had a lot of success with that. I have had a few deer hitting them. They're starting to. I've noticed my trail cameras now. Even even this week, they've been starting to hit them more than than they have. So, um, hoping that activity picks up. I mean, I've got cameras. I don't know how many cameras I got down there now. Probably six or eight in a couple different spots. And and my lease partners have a bunch out and. We had some nice bucks here and there, but just nothing patternable. And you know, I don't even think anybody hunted between the the four or five leases that we all know everybody on. I don't think anybody hunted opening day, believe it or not.
2: Well, how hot was it?
0: It was uh, wasn't too bad actually, but uh, it just without anything being patterned. Yeah, guys, guys have been you know disciplined, and I got to give them a lot of credit.
2: You know? Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath. You're going to walk down there probably next week and shoot some 150, but it's uh, <laughs> your Earlier. property. It could Earlier. be a, a rut property like my 15 acres is. You know, I think yeah. my place doesn't get good till mid-October through mid-November. Like, that's, that's the go time.
0: Well, a lot's changing too, and that's we, we've talked about that on past episodes too. Like a lot of our changes will manipulate deer movement, and and even might delay some things. Like this 311 had never had food plots on it before, so adding those three food plots, that's obviously going to change how the deer react to the property and how they move through the property. So, right could could be a combination of things.
2: As as far as your scrapes, um. Do you normally find scrapes this early? I mean, I think I only have besides the mock scrapes I've made, which are numerous, I think I only have one scrape that was um made that I've seen so far by a deer. So we yeah. might be a little early on that so far.
0: Well, I don't not, find not
2: much but
0: Yeah. I don't I don't find them in, in vast numbers this time of year, but I normally find a couple of good ones in the areas that I'm hunting. It might not be you know, like it starts hitting the end of October. But normally there will be, you know, enough to a couple, three, that you can put some cameras over and start getting some pictures.
2: Sure, sure. No, that sounds exciting, though. Um, sounds like you're just kind of kind of like me, just waiting for the right time to pop down there. Yeah. And start absolutely. hunting it hard.
0: Yeah, and we, we put a lot into these cameras, but, you know, they don't always tell the full story either.
2: Yeah, I feel like they don't. Right. You're right. Al always says that. Yep. You know, it's, um, but sure, deer in Michigan know how to walk around them. I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen them do it here in PA also.
2: I don't know about you, but I've been hanging mine about eight, nine feet off the ground with a climbing stick pointed downward type thing, you know, kind yeah. of trying to hit them with, after they walk by, shoot them from the rear so they don't see the flash or anything. And, like, that's the type of detailed crap I'm going through.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do some of that here in Pennsylvania. Um Not so much down in Ohio, but I probably should. Yeah. I see a lot of deer staring at that thing. Like, I know that's there. So, they're looking at it. They know. Exactly. Exactly. But before we cover Ohio, I want to talk
2: about the 8-acre woods real quick, Um the logging. I don't think we've covered it much. Like, um like we want to, but we're going to put, or I'm going to put a bunch of videos that I've taken over the past year, working with the logger, hunter Foder, um, on the 8-acre woods. So, if you go to our YouTube page, Habitat Podcast, and you look up 8-acre woods, you'll see the very first video, it's all that's up there right now, on what it looked like before logging. So, I believe that was this spring when I took that. And then I've taken five or six videos. Since then, I'm going to get those up into like a series so you guys can see what it, what the process is to use a logger. Or uh, I keep calling it a logger. It's, he's actually a forester. The loggers are who came in afterwards that we hired. Um, so with the use of a forester, I was able to bid my eight acres back there out, which is kind of wet. Already been logged for the real big stuff a few years back, as you probably heard me say. And uh, But they came in there and they were done. They came in there September 3rd or 4th, um, right before year season, right? So to a lot of people, that might make them nervous. Me, I knew that my property is a rut type property or a mid October onward type property, so I didn't have any worry about it. Those guys were out of there in two to three weeks and the deer are back to, you know, the deer don't care. They're probably happy about it. Um, what's advantageous about it now is the fact that there is literally logging roads that these guys created with their with their bulldozer and their skid steer, and that soil was black as night, and I went down there and threw grains all over it as soon as they were done, and those are where my food plots are looking rocking, Brian. Those are my best food plots down in the woods where the trucks have been driving over them for the last three weeks, you believe yeah, that? that
0: that soil looked unbelievable in those pictures. Just like you said, black as night is a perfect way to describe it. And those grains are coming up, man. Looks really nice.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's working out. I have a little more shaping to do in terms of where I want the trails to go and stop and and move to, but um, they created what I call the pinch it's a very distinct pinch point where three of the logging roads come together from the different portions of the backwoods and I put a gigantic mock scrape there and a cell camera there and um I I I'm feeling a cruising buck type situation through there in a a couple weeks um I mean, there's all that side cover in there. They left all the tops, so there's eight, nine-foot cover everywhere you look. You can't see, you know, 30, 40 yards in there if you're standing on the ground, which if you look at the very first 8-acre woods video, you can see 100 yards. Yeah. So I am jacked up about it. Me talking about it right now, I'm getting fired up about it. I mean, (laughs) I got a little more work to do in there still, but it's really cool having first of all some roads like some direction in there which there wasn't before and they're all food they're all perfect food plots every one of them so trying to kind of direct those deer with the habitat work and the forestry um i'm excited to see how that plays out this year i really am and then the videos are going to come up so y'all can follow along too it'd be pretty awesome
0: yeah that sounds like an amazing spot i I think you're going to have a lot of luck there and you know, with those tops, is, like you said, it's it's enough cover to block what they can see, so they're gonna have to really work in there to to find any those that they smell and keep them moving. But uh, not so thick that they can't jump off of the lane and and get in the cover if they have to. So I think that's gonna work out great for you. Yeah,
2: I I hope so. Um, I'm gonna try to play it mobile like we talked about in there and bop around. Um, if you know me or my access ways or if, you, if you've been a land plan client, you know the way I access the properties and it's going to be very strategic and the deer should not be crossing my path in the eight acre woods uh, for the most part ever. They shouldn't. So it could be dynamite. We'll find out. We'll find out. I'm very pumped yeah. as you can tell.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped for you, man. I, I think that's going to be a, a great situation. We just talked with Steve Bartella about a lot of that, and I'm excited to to see it all come together for you.
2: Thank you, brother. And yes, we did. Wasn't that an awesome show? Wait for episode two to come out. I think we'll probably launch this one before part two comes out with Bartella. Maybe we won't. So if we don't, I apologize. But um, (laughs) he is just an awesome guy. So yeah, I'm I'm fired up about that. I think uh, you know you and I got some work to do on. After all this habitat work we did this summer, spring, summer, fall, winter, I'm ready to to really get another one down in on the 15. A nice buck, I'd be. That's a goal of mine for sure.
0: Well, we definitely put in the work. There's no doubt about that, and I can't think of anybody more deserving than you to put one down. So I'm rooting for you as always.
2: <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I think uh, I think the same of you. Obviously, no matter how much shit we talk to each other all day long. <laughs> <laughs> if people can see our group text, if only.
0: Yeah, and then I'm sure they all got their group of friends that do the same thing. it's, you know, It just happens, and that's crazy how we show our appreciation, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun, and <laughs> try not to take each other too serious.
2: Exactly, exactly. Well... Like I said, I wish you luck in, uh, in your hunts coming up before we, uh, wrap this. up, let's cover, um, I guess I want to cover a little bit about my lease in Ohio, but I kind of want to talk about what other plans you have on hunting yours and how you're going to hunt yours a little bit more in depth, um. We talked about how you move cameras and your plots are looking good, but I kind of want to hear your strategy on where you're going to be and when. We always ask our, our podcast guests, early season, mid-season, late season, best spots. I kind of want to hear from you on uh, what your thoughts are. I know it's a new property for you, but um, just think about that for a minute. I was able to hop on a last-minute lease with uh, my friend Corey Francis. You guys have all heard from Corey a bunch. And um a couple of his buddies, Chad and Craig, so we're down there. Very, very, very far down, almost into Kentucky. Uh still in Ohio, we got about two hundred and ten acres or so. Is this
0: all Corey's t- first year on there also?
2: All timber. Yeah, it's the first year on this lease. Okay. Corey, myself, Chad and Craig have all hunted Southern Ohio many times before. Um but this is a brand, a brand new lease. Down there, and it's all timber. It's all very, very steep. So it's kind of, it's a pain in the butt. But there's something about it that's really cool. Like I miss hunting down there, and I haven't been down there in a couple of years. So it was really opportunistic when I got that call from Corey, and and thought, heck yeah, let's, let's try it out. So it's very steep. It's all woods. Um, a lot of you know oak flats and whatnot, and then. This was the Ohio Bucks. You don't know what's going to come over the hill. So it's, it's pretty neat. Um, I don't know a ton about it yet. We're getting some decent cell camera pictures on some of the corn we have out down there right now. And we're just hoping that uh, we wait for the weather to be correct. Because I've hunted down there a few times when it was warm. I'm talking 70s. And it was just terrible. But you get a cold snap, even in like the 50s, and it turns on like a light switch down there, yeah. from what I've seen, like, way more than what we call a cold front up here does, like, it, like if it's 70 down there, I'm not even getting in the car to go down, Right. but if you get a cold snap down there, um, it's pretty cool, especially in late October, early November, so, it's kind of all I got on on that lease, like I said, it's all wooded, it's all ridge tops, a bunch of steep drop-offs, hunting those hill country deer they're bad on the points of the of the the hills um the I guess I would call them the hills of the Appalachians down there. Or yeah. Right on the Ohio River, but we don't so really you had know a chance, much more about
0: that. Have you had a chance to put boots on the ground yet? I have not even been there. Nope. Okay.
2: So corey has been down I think
0: twice
2: maybe three times cuz he walked it, picked up the lease. Then him and the other guys went down and hung some stands. And um, I have not been down. I think Corey went down the opening weekend and threw up a, a camera of mine. And so we all got cameras, cell cameras down there right now, just monitoring and waiting. I don't think anybody has any plans to even hunt it uh, anytime soon that I know of. We'll wait for the cameras to tell us that story.
0: Yeah. And um, So you're sort of sitting back. Waiting to strategize till you get a little more information.
2: Yeah, I am. I'm really wanting to kill on my on my Michigan property, even though the bucks are four times as big down there. I really want it up here. So I'm 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 kind of planning on hunting October pretty hard up here because we'll get good pre rut movement. Uh, the Twentieth of October I've seen it onward. Oh, I've wow. even seen it I've even seen it earlier than that where they're getting spunky. So I think there's a chance that I could do well up here before it even gets good down there. So Yeah. That's kinda that's kinda my goal. Um plus I'm kinda the last guy in the lease. so I'm just, you know, I'm an equal part of it, but at the same time I want to be, be polite and not I'm not gonna go down there every weekend and plus I don't have the time with the young kids, so
0: right, right.
2: Just, I've been down there before, I know the area, I know the ground-ish from other leases I've been on, so I'm going to go mobile and bounce around the woods. Um, Very cool. we got some good bucks showing up already on camera, hopefully they'll they'll stick around and maybe some other geo get pushed in there once it starts getting a little bit colder.
0: So you're starting to fill up the pocket with buck tags too, so... Hopefully we're going to have a lot to talk about here in the next four or five weeks.
2: Yeah, you know what? That You're right, that puts me at at three tags. Well, four tags. Michigan's got two tags. And then Ohio and Illinois. Yeah. So, look at that. You're right. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, freaking love this stuff. So, that's kind of my plan down there. I don't know a ton about it yet. If we like the lease, we'll keep it and do some habitat work on it, et cetera. Um, it's looking good so far. So, But how about you? What are you? What's your plan on hunting? I guess we kind of talked earlier. How about mid, like the rut, and, and maybe late? What are your plans down there that you're thinking of on the lease?
0: Yeah, one thing, we talk a lot about cell cams, and we talk a lot about buck pictures, Um don't overlook the doughs that you're getting on those too when you're moving your cameras around. There we have um uh, several really good bedding areas. Um uh, I actually got one, two, maybe maybe three of my cameras. I put in dough bedding areas just to see the concentration and how often. And uh all three bedding areas are having daily dough movement in them. So Those are going to be good spots to key in on come uh, end of October, 1st of November. Those bucks are going to be cruising downwind of those areas. So don't overlook that in your scouting. We're all trying to get the big buck on camera. But uh, keep tabs on your does, too, one way or the other. Great point. So I'm probably going to do that, you know, towards the end of October. Hopefully find some uh, active scrapes. Downwind of bedding areas. Um, that's usually a tried and true method. It's it's got enough terrain to funnel the deer uh, in different places. So I'm just going to stay mobile and, and let my trail cameras tell me which scrapes are being hit and which bedding areas are the hottest. And you know, just keep an eye out for the hottest sign as I'm moving around in there.
2: And your your property is, um, I guess. It has that big valley that kind of runs through it, right? So it's kind of like a travel corridor.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, every all the most of the timber running north to south is uh, on the east side of that lease. There are a few other spots, some corners on the uh, northeast and the southwest. I'm sorry, northwest and the southwest that are pretty good. Uh, I, the best buck that I've gotten is actually on the southwest corner. Uh, it's, it's a big cornfield butted up against a thicket and in some hardwoods and pines. And uh, that should be pretty good, I would imagine, even after they take the corn off just because it's thicker. But, uh, yeah, the access is a little tricky uh, with a prevailing west wind and most of that valley being on the east side of the property. So you have to get creative, um, use things like that uh, gas line. Sneak down in there. It's quiet. Uh, try to get as far in as you can before moving north and south so you're not disturbing a lot of things. Stay away from those bedding areas. And, uh, you know, I think for mornings you're going to have to try to get in there early just in case you do make a little bit of noise. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'll be trying to do, just trying to button up the access and, and staying mobile till I got on something.
2: Very nice. And had, do you know anything from previous friends of yours that have leased on that specific parcel that could maybe help you, or no?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, those uh, those two one fifties that were killed. It's not very far from that corridor that we're we're kind of describing. Once you drop down into the southern lease, they're uh, probably came through there in some way or fashion at some yeah. point. Yeah. Yep,
2: very cool. How about late season? What's your plan down there? I know uh, food, food, food for late season down there tends to work. I mean, it works great everywhere, but um, down there it works really good.
0: Yeah, so in Ohio, you can keep corn out year-round. We don't really rely on it, but we try to keep a few feeders full just to keep the neighbors on us because they're all putting it out. I hate to say that because, you know, you're, you're not really competing with your neighbors, but you got to do what you can. You know, we're offering all the food plots, but if the neighbor's putting out truckloads of corn and that's what the deer want to be on it, you don't have any, you're sort of putting yourself at a disadvantage there. So,
2: Yeah, hey, um, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I want to do everything my neighbors are doing and more.
0: You Absolutely. Know,
2: I, I want to be what they are and times 10. So I yep, I way get to put it. it. Yeah, and
0: we've got the killer food plots, carnage brassica, buffet out in all three plots. Uh, Lots of good radish bulbs and turnip bulbs coming on. So I'm hoping that the deer will like those as much as they like the green tops. And just uh, once again, try to use the MRI, the most recent information that the trail cams are telling us, and try to key in on those food sources late season for sure.
2: Awesome, man. Sounds like a plan to
0: me. Yeah, let's hopefully we'll uh, get a few of these tags filled that we got in our pockets.
2: I hope so. Well, I hope so. I'm I'm just fired up about the doe I shot. Still,
0: shoot. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> I was watching uh, Midwest Whitetail. I think it was. No, I take that back. It was the hunting public, and uh, that gooch killed a doe, and he was fired up and. Just bumping and my wife was like, Man, he got pretty excited. I said, Yeah, that's about what I look like the other night when I shot that <laughs>
1: dough.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, heck yeah. Never gets old, man. And if it ever that feeling ever goes away, I guess we gotta hang it up. I I don't I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I don't either.
2: I know um Yeah, I just uh I smoked that dough and I felt really good about it and it's just it's a great feeling and just thank God for sending her my way and shoot she popped around that corner looked right at me in this stupid old ladder stand that came with the property and <laughs> I was already drawn back and had the camera on her so it was game over but it was like it's just exciting I was freaking out you know heart Absolutely. heart pumped heart pumping everything was it was awesome
0: yeah that, that adrenaline something man and you, and you bring up a good point we're sitting here coming up with all these plans and all this excitement, and that, that's one thing definitely that I try to do every day and try to do more of for sure is uh, just be thankful for all of our blessings, man. We're very lucky to to be in a situation that we're both in to have the time and the means to travel these different places and meet so many good people around and have good friends that share these experiences with us, and it's you know, sometimes you got to stop and appreciate that. Couldn't
2: have said it better myself. I think uh, between that and just the podcast and, and the people that we've met through the podcast, whether it's our guests, excuse me, or our listeners, I mean, people we chat with on Facebook or Instagram, it's the best thing about this whole thing. I mean, it's Absolutely. amazing. It's so cool to, to just know more people that are as crazy as we are, on the same level in terms of habitat, that you can sit there and geek out and talk about it for weeks at a time, where half my buddies around here be like, "I know, what, you know, a, a food plot, great." You know, it's like it's, it's really cool to find people on your level, and just it connects us with the best of the best in the habitat world, in my opinion.
0: Hey man,
2: amazing. I, I agree 100%. Well, cool, man. Anything else before we wrap this up? I thought that was a good little uh, update on kind of where we're at so far in the season. Today is uh, October 6th. Trying to launch this baby tonight or tomorrow morning and get it going. So, what else you got?
0: I think we covered it all for now. Just uh, got to get out there and take advantage of the opportunities we got and uh, have fun doing it. And, uh, you know, just thank everybody for listening and participating online and everybody's comments. uh, Just keep them coming, you know. We're trying to bring as many video updates as we can. It gets tough with our schedules, but uh, we're doing the best we can. But we'd like to hear from you. What do you think about that? What do you think about our Facebook posts or our YouTube posts? If you guys like it, we'll do more of what you like. And if you don't like something, let us know about that too. We're just trying to tailor list of what you guys want to see and hear and have fun doing it
2: yes sir yes sir i was just gonna say i'd love to hear more from uh any of you listeners who got cool stories or successful food plots or habitat tips and tricks that work for you let us know who knows you might end up on the podcast (laughs) never know (laughs) well cool brian i wish you luck uh coming up over the next week um I know we have at least three episodes recorded ready to launch that are going to be phenomenal for the listeners, so it's just going to be a good month, man. It's going to be a good month.
0: Yeah, coming up on that big 100, man. Congratulations.
2: Yes. Congratulations to you as well. That one's already recorded, too.
0: Yeah. It's going
2: to be good. Well, hey, guys. If you uh, kill something, let us know. If you have any cool pictures, let us know, and um, we'll be back soon with some more info. Good luck, everybody, and be safe. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab. Check out our HP Land Plans there. We also have hats, T-shirts, and decals up at HabitatPodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal, We can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. We have Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, Huntwise, Killer Food Plot, The Habitat Hook, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, Sound Barrier Hunting, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better Habitat Managers.